Hello, my dear friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and this is The Informed Catholic, and this is going to be episode 51 of The Informed Catholic, episode 51. We're going to do the readings for the Thursday of the fifth week of Ordinary Time. This is the readings for the Thursday of the fifth week of Ordinary Time. So, if you like what I do and you think I'm doing a good job, please subscribe and share to my podcast. It will be a great help. So um, before we begin, um, I know I've been doing a lot of um, the scripture readings and interpreting those, and I haven't been focusing on news. Well, <clears throat> I figured after the election, since now it's over and... Um, things are sort of setting in. I'm not going to stop with the news, but I'm going to try to focus on teaching the faith more, focusing on the faith. And um, the news is going to keep coming. I'll bring things uh, to the spotlight or report things that are happening that involve the faith. I'll continue to do that. So let's begin with the act of contrition, please. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri elision, Kiri elision, Kiri elision, Christe elision, Christe elision, Christe elision, Kiri elision, Kiri elision, Kiri elision. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, heavenly King, O God, almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayers. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To those of you who are new to the podcast, I know that um, my podcast now can be heard in um, the United Arab Emirates. Um, welcome. Salaamu Alaikum to those of you, uh, my fellow Arabs out there. And uh, I hope you enjoy... Uh, listening to this, I will um, I will try to do a podcast, an introduction to myself um, in the future. 
So, um, this is the Informed Catholic um, podcast. We do news here. Um, I usually bring articles for discussion. Um, I usually bring articles uh, about the faith. I myself um, am a former Muslim. Now I'm a Catholic. I'm a I'm a Christian. I know uh, that's probably going to be shocking to uh, some of you. But please try to have an open mind. Uh, we are born and made in the image and likeness of God. Um, and God has given us a mind of reason, logic, and free will. And we have a desire to seek for the truth, and we all have to find the truth according to our conscience. Um, and we should search everything out, explore every um, every corner, every aspect. We have a right to ask questions. Doubt doesn't mean necessarily a loss of faith. Doubt can also be an assistance to encourage faith and to find truth. And that's the most important thing. We have to seek the truth. We have to ask, why do we believe what we believe? And what we believe, is it the truth? Is it really the truth? And do we really, do we really know God? Do we really, has God communicated his truth to us? And this is something we have to search out. I believe I have found the truth and I have found the answer. And the answer is in Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And I believe he's my savior. I believe he is God incarnate, God in the flesh, he revealed himself. And the question is, why why should we put a limit on God? Why should we make God's greatness greater than himself? Is God greater than himself? Or is he not God? Does he do we have a right to put limits on him? No, God cannot come and walk among his creation. Who are we to say that? If he created everything and if all things are possible for God, then why can't God choose to walk among his creatures? These are things that we have to search. We have to ask these questions. God's mercy is remarkable. It is beyond words. God's love is beyond words, beyond anything. And it's, we believe that his mercy and his love was revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. We believe this. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, um, let's begin with our reading. We're going to read from the first book of Kings. Um, it's chapter 11, verse 4 to 13. Since you have not kept my covenant, I will, 
I will deprive you of the kingdom, but I will leave your son one tribe for the sake of my servant David. Reading from the first book of Kings. When Solomon was old, his wives had turned his heart to strange gods, and his heart was not entirely with the Lord, his God, as the heart of his father David had been. By adoring Astrat, the goddess of the Sardinians, and Milcom, the idol of the Ammonites, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not follow him unreservedly as his father David had done. Solomon then built a high place to the Kamash, the idol of Moab, and to Moloch, the idol of the Ammonites. And on the hill opposite Jerusalem, he did the same for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. The Lord therefore became angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice, for the Lord had forbidden him this very act of following strange gods. Solomon had not obeyed him. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is what you want, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I adjoined on you, I will deprive you of the kingdom and give it to your servant. I will not I will not do this during your lifetime, however, for the sake of your father David. It is your own son whom I will deprive, nor will I take away the whole kingdom. I will leave your son one tribe for the sake of my servant David and of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's read it one more time. Reading from the first book of Kings, chapter 11, verse 4 to 13. Since you have not kept my covenant, I will deprive you of the kingdom. But I will leave your son one tribe for the sake of my servant David. A reading from the first book of Kings. When Solomon was old, his wives had turned his heart to strange gods and his heart was not entirely with the Lord his God, as the heart of his father David had been. By adoring Astrata, the goddess of the Sardinians, and Milcom, the idol of the Ammonites, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not follow him unreservedly, as his father David had done. Solomon then built a high place to Gamash, the idol of Moab, and to Moloch, the idol of the Ammonites. On the hill opposite Jerusalem, he did the same for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. The Lord therefore became angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. For the Lord had forbidden him this very act of following strange gods. Solomon had not obeyed him. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is what you want, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I adjoined on you, I will deprive you of the kingdom and give it to your servant. 
I will not do this during your lifetime, however, for the sake of your father David. It is your son whom I will deprive, nor will I take away the whole kingdom. I will leave your son one tribe for the sake of my servant David and of Jerusalem which I have chosen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. So I said I would try to move away, maybe, no, not entirely stay away from politics, but it's, uh, this text here is going to show politics, uh, with Solomon. Solomon, when Solomon was old, his wives had turned his heart to strange gods and his heart was not entirely with the Lord, his God, as the heart of his father, David, had been. Oh, wow. So, what does that mean? I mean, yes, paganism. Um, the idols. It's, okay, the statue or... Remember I mentioned like how in... How in the comic books, like uh, comic book shops, they have all these little figurines or some of them are fantastic works of art. And they're not bad in themselves. The problem is, is that the excessiveness and the, um, the extreme, um, I mean, a kid having a toy is fine of a, of his favorite character. It's not a bad thing. Um, but the point is, is that it what it it what it what happens in the heart. The statue itself is just a piece of a piece of wood or a piece of stone or a piece of metal, or a piece of plastic as we think of it today. But it's what it what it represents. Okay. Same thing of a man looking at an image of his favorite supermodel. You know, tapes it against the wall, like frames it, stares at it. He's mesmerized by it. He fantasizes about it. And then, you know, of course, it leads to sinful actions and sinful behavior. We won't go into detail there, but you know what I mean. Kid looks at a pornographic magazine. He's going through puberty. It becomes obsessive with it. He's aroused by it. It leads to sinful action and sinful thinking and sinful behavior. Okay. Um, and these things in themselves um, can corrupt. It, it can lead to other immoral behavior. I mean, every, you know, you look at every beautiful woman, every attractive girl on the subway or on a subway platform, or you're, you're at a coffee shop or you're somewhere in public and you see a, a beautiful woman, or you look at any girl that attracts your, your, uh, your fancy, it could lead, you know, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with admiring beauty, but what happens is, is that Other things can be also paganism. 
money can be idolatry. Having beautiful things can can reveal idolatry. Uh, power can become pagan idols and idolatry. Political offices, political figures can become idolatry. A lot of things can do that. Food can, can consumption, wealth, power, land. You know everything. You know can can re, can become your pagan god, your pagan idol. And that's very much true. That's one of the interesting things about that that series created by Neil Gaiman, uh, which actually was a, a book called American Gods. Um, you know, his concept about the gods, of course, he treats even God himself on the same level, which is, you know, that's, I guess, his, I guess is necessary for his philosophy. But the fact is, even in the modern, uh, every everything that you idolize, your concept of uh, can become a god. Your your you know, yeah. I mean, for those of in the Middle East, I think they can understand this. You see how um, political and religious uh, some figures. Um, a, a photograph is not a problem, but what happens is, is that it can, le- um, it's the power behind it. It's the obsession behind it, the sinful idea behind it. Images of Saddam Hussein, paintings of him, images of the Ayatollah Khomeini everywhere, sort of like glaring and almost staring right through someone's soul. The image of um, Gaddafi, images of Arafat. It's funny, like, you see how, you know, in a sense, yeah, it's not bad entirely, but it, what happens is it becomes, it becomes idolatry. Solomon, in his own, um, he asked for wisdom. He prayed for wisdom and God gave him wisdom. But wisdom is not entirely faith. He didn't ask for faith. He asks for wisdom. And wisdom to be devoted, I mean, faith to be devoted to God is necessary to be, to be faithful to God, to be entirely given to God. Wisdom or intelligence and all these things can also lead to vanity. He was the, remember I read the other reading, he was completely, absolutely, um, he showed off his faith, I mean his, his wisdom, to the Queen of Sheba. She buttered him up with, with compliments. But what about his faith? What about his faith? His faith became almost like an accessory just something that was part of his identity. You see what I'm saying? And faith to God is not a public thing. It should be something that's internal. God's presence 
in Solomon's heart should have been there. He didn't ask for that. I mean, maybe in the beginning there was something of it, but he had all these women, all these women, and they brought in their foreign gods. And he built altars to them, altars to them. This is the man, the same man who built the temple in Jerusalem. And he he gave that wonderful, wonderful prayer. Not the highest heavens can contain thee. What? Uh, why? How could a temple on earth contain thee? How could anything on earth contain God? And he's right. But what went wrong? Was it the material life he had? Was he living too comfortably? Yeah. Yeah. We could say that. Was he... Was he um, was he overbloated with his own vanity? Most likely, yes. He had too many distractions, too many distractions, too many things, and he has not focused on God. He has he has somehow his heart strayed away from God, and it can happen to anybody. It can happen to a religious leader. It can happen to. Um, a political leader, it can happen to any of us. We're so obsessed and uh, with everything else around, even politics, let's face it. You know, we, we, can, we can forget about God. I'd like to turn an example to the latest news by our bishops. They have... their hands out for $3 billion. Each of the dioceses in the United States have wound up receiving money from the U.S. government. And the bishops are, well, hey, like um, $3 billion, why not? I mean, Judas put his hands out for 30 pieces of silver. $3 billion should be is nothing compared to uh, nothing, really. I mean, seriously. But they won't say anything to Joe Biden because uh, he is now the second Catholic president and he, the media keeps, the liberal media keeps flaunt, uh, flaunting his Catholicism uh, all over the place. Uh, he's, you know, he, they want to make sure that he looks, you know, he looks like a devout Catholic, even though he supports abortion, child killing, which I, by the way, those gods that his uh, foreign wives brought in, the Ammonite gods, the, uh, the other gods around the area, the Moloch, Baal, all lead to child sacrifice. The, the Valley of Gehenna, which is outside the walls of Jerusalem, is known as the Valley of Hell. Okay, it's, it's hell. It's because there was, were child sacrifices, which led to the destruction of their kingdom. Okay? We... Practice modern day child sacrifice because of politics, and our bishops keep quiet. They keep quiet, they're keeping quiet, and they're putting their hands out for billions of dollars. And they won't say anything to this man, they'll continue to let him receive communion. They'll, the body and blood, soul and divinity, the resurrected Christ, they will keep giving it to him. They will not say no to him. His sin is publicly known. Now, notice our country 
is starting to suffer. Notice there's unemployment. Notice that there's political unrest. Notice that we're turning on each other. Notice this this virus, this, this, this plague that has gone all over the world. Okay? Regardless if it's real or if it's how, how serious it is or how much recovery it is, the point is everything has been turned upside down, inside out. Um, we're suffering here. We're suffering. Our, our, our country is suffering. A lot of people over the world are suffering. Why do we think that the punishments that happened to ancient Israel would not pass down to us? We're spiritual Jews. We're, we're spiritual Semites. Christians are spiritual Jews. We're spiritual Israelites. The Lord, I know those of you who are Muslim, believe Jesus is Muslim, but we're focusing on the Bible here. We're focusing on the text of the, of the Christian, of the Jewish Christian books. So, we're not going into competition here. We're not going to go into arguments about it, but focus on this is a Catholic channel, a Christian channel. So let's focus on that. God told Solomon, because you were not loyal to me in your son's lifetime, I will tear, I will take away the tribes from him. Okay. 11 of the tribes will go his direction. Only one will remain for your son. Because of the sake of my, of my relationship with your father, David, Solomon failed to remain loyal to God. He asked for wisdom, but he should have also asked for faith and fidelity and loyalty to God. He didn't ask for those things. He didn't ask for those virtues. And he built foreign idol um, altars to foreign gods. So he, he broke his relationship with God. He broke, he broke the heart of God. So <clears throat> we, what are we doing wrong? Okay. What have we done wrong? I mean, seriously, did you look at some of these ridiculous uh, liturgies, these these Novus Ordo liturgies in L.A.? They have this thing with L.A., um, some Catholic thing. They have people dancing around like uh, liturgical dances. You have, <clears throat> you, you know, they're, they're, they're like a, a sideshow. It looks like a pagan ritual. And, and the bishops, they... They don't know how to preach, but they know they want to put on a good show. They put their hands for out for money. They don't say nothing against against homosexuality. They say nothing about about uh, abortion. They say they 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 want to keep quiet about it. One bishop says it it should not be the focal point. Is he serious? Our religion is about life. Abraham and Sarah desperate for a child. Moses is rescued as a baby 
from from the from the slaughter of the innocents in Egypt, our Lord uh, had to escape the slaughter of the innocents by Herod. John the Baptist, the promise made to elderly people in their old age, they have a child. We are a faith, we are a pro-life religion. Look at the mess we're in. Look at the nonsense we're in. And look at, look at the world. Look at the state of the world. And they're doubling down. They're digging their heels deeper. It's seriously, look what he look what he says to him. Since this is what you want, look what he says to Solomon. Since this is what you want, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I enjoined on you, I will deprive you of the kingdom and give it to your servant. I will not do this during your lifetime, however, for the sake of your father David. Wow. He he really, I mean, he's a merciful God. But he points out to Solomon, this is what you want. It is your son whom I will deprive. Nor will I take away the whole kingdom. I will leave your son with one tribe for the sake of my servant David and of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. How, what, how long are we going to keep doing this? How long are we going to keep offending God? How long are we going to keep doing it? And our lady, our lady had a message for us in Fatima and in other apparitions, in La Salette, in many others. Approved apparitions. Stop offending the Lord our God. He is offended enough. And our bishops and the priests, something went wrong. Something went seriously wrong. They don't... I'll be honest with you, I think it's a lack of faith. I think... Politics, the idolatry of politics. It's like that passage in the gospel. I, may, I, I, I said it before about the seeds being sowed. Some falling to the wayside and the ravens come, the crows come and they eat it. Satan stealing the word of God away before, before it builds any root in our hearts. Some f seed fall on other rocky ground and the sun scourges it as soon as persecution comes. It dies away because it has it has no faith. It has no roots. Other seed fall on the thorns, and it, the thorns choke it because it represents the love, the lust, the power, and the riches of the world. And there is no faith. Some other seed fall on good soil, and they build good deep roots, and it grows, and then it, it just it becomes. You know, a, a plentiful harvest, and there's faith. We're we're seriously in trouble. We need to pray. Lent is coming up. We need to perform penance. We need penance 
penance, penance, penance for the sake of our own conversion, for the conversion of our loved ones, for the conversion of our friends, for the conversion of our fellow man, for our countrymen, for the conversion of our fellow Christians, for the conversion of unbelievers. We need to fast. We need to pray. We need to pray pray, pray, and we need to turn away from this world and turn to Christ. Turn to him. Look to the cross. Look to the cross of our Lord. Look to him, and we need to surrender ourselves completely to him. As he surrendered himself on the cross for the salvation of the world, we need, we need, we need to do this. Let's go on to the, um, to the Psalms. Okay. So it's Psalm 106. So it's going to express what definitely we just read in first Kings. We now know that Solomon, uh, through his wives got seduced to worshiping foreign gods. Okay. He, he, he turned to Astratus, the goddess of the Sidonians and uh, Milcom, the idol of Ammonites, Solomon did, uh, and he did, he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And he did not follow God unreservedly as his father David had done. So Solomon built high, to build altars, to build altars, uh, shrines is a serious matter. We do this a lot. We do this a lot in, in our own culture celebrities we do this a lot to politicians we do this a lot to imaginary characters that don't exist comic book characters people spend a lot of money on their favorite idol their favorite singer they have shrines they spend millions and millions of um, well maybe not millions but hundreds of dollars uh to their favorite thing i mean you got people now obsessed with video games there's nothing wrong in enjoying yourself and having a little hobby. But what happens when you throw so many, so much money into it? That's your burnt offerings. That's your hard or hard earned cash. You're willing to sacrifice what you have put hours of sweat and you're willing to complain about how much you hate your job, but how, but you, but you, you're you're willing to throw your money away in the latest expensive fashion because you gotta keep up with with your friends. You gotta get that expensive sneaker. You gotta get that expensive uh, jersey. You gotta get that that latest uh, album. You gotta put all that money. That's your burn offerings. Your offer like you're literally burning them on the altar, and you have these you know these guys with like you know. There's in their, I guess you can call it man cave or their apartment. They got all these, these things like worth hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars, hours of work. People have collections. You ever watch the Pawn Stars? A guy collects every, uh, he has an obsession with something. He collects everything. He puts all, you know, like there's some guys who collect sneakers and that's a lot of money. A lot of money that you're putting in, but what about what about what about things that are more important? What about your family? What about your wife and kids? What about uh, your health? What about saving your money to your old age? 
And then when, then of course, when you realize how much you wasted that money away, and then you try to sell it, guess what? The the guy at the pawn shop is not going to buy, is going to is not going to give you your value. He's going to buy it cheaply himself. So you wound up, you know, you got to get rid of these things. You you know, you wound up that you wasted money away. You realize you need the money, and um, you threw it away at something that is not paying you back. Your idol is not going to give you that money back. The value of it. You wasted a lot of money. You threw it away on, on nothing. Some guys throw away their money on pornography. All right, let's go to the to this uh, Psalm, Psalm 106. Remember us, O Lord, as your favor, as you favor your people. Blessed are, are they who observe what is right, who do always what is just. Remember us, O Lord, as your favor, your people. Visit us with your saving help. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. But they might, they but they mingled with the nations and learned their works. They served their idols, which became a snare for them. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. And the Lord grew angry with his people and abhorred his inheritance. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. Well, <clears throat> do, need, need I say more? That's the most remarkable thing about the uh, the Jewish people and their whole and their, their scriptures. It always points out their faults. It always points out their sins. It doesn't sugarcoat it. That's how you know it's divine revelation. They don't hide their failures. When Solomon introduced these foreign gods, he opened a can of worms. He opened a can of worms. And they sacrificed their kids, their sons and their daughters to demons. Um, Baal Moloch. Sometimes uh, there's different images. They sometimes show an image of him with horns because he has a bull's head, which is some believe is Satan. Um, the Valley of Kehenna is the Valley of Death, the Valley of um, of um, of Hell. It's the area nearby Jerusalem. Um, it's where the people practice occultism during the days. This was introduced, uh, of course, Solomon was the can of worms. Um, um, Jezebel brought it in. She brought in um, the practice from Phoenicia. The Phoenicians later on will take North Africa. And um, of course they would become uh, Carthage. And uh, they, would have this um, bronze or iron bull and uh, they would have a furnace in the belly of the bull and they would throw they would throw in chi uh, children child sacrifices in there you know they're victims sometimes it would be even adult victims for child for sacrifices they would throw them in there 
this was not unusual. This actually, um, archaeologists have found out that this, this was true. And it's a bull. Remember, the Israelites built a golden calf when they left Egypt. There were cases of human sacrifices in these cultures. The Canaanite culture was big on fertility and, and, and human and child sacrifice because that was the off the highest one. They would, they would sometimes, I guess you could say, take the sickly child. Maybe in Moab, they practiced sacrifices to the gods where Ruth came from. This was the practice. So God loves what is just people who do what was right and just and the next verse, but they mingled with the nations and learned their works. They served their idols, which became snares for them. And the last verse, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. And the Lord grew angry with his people and abhorred his inheritance. Let me just say this. Um, suicide bombing. That's sacrifice. That's idol. That's that's human sacrifice. Um, I'm Palestinian, a background. Um, convincing someone, a child or a teenager, to strap on of uh, a, a bomb vest and to sacrifice to go ahead and become committed suicide bombing. That is human sacrifice. That is idolatry. That is something God does not want. You can call it martyrdom all you want. It is murder. And you want to know why you keep losing? You want to know why there's there's a lot of evil? You know, why the, the, the Palestinians didn't get their own land? You want to know why, uh, you know, there's so much evil? Because it is idolatry. It's not real worship of God. People... You have to realize what you love, you can't, you know, is says about who you are, what you worship. People worshiped a lot of these political leaders, bow down to them, kiss their hand. Uh, the religious leaders, you worship them, you bow down and kiss their hand. These people devoured your children. Anyone who convinces a young man to strap a bomb to himself and go and kill innocent people and think that you're going to get into heaven is idolatry. It is human sacrifice and God does not, God is not mocked. He will not be mocked. God doesn't want the death of children. He doesn't want the death of anybody. But hey, there are people who can be easily convinced. All right, let's go to the gospel. All right. Alleluia, alleluia. Humbly welcome the word that has been planted in you and is able to save your souls. Alleluia, alleluia. Taken from James chapter 1, verse 21. Alleluia, alleluia. Humbly welcome the word that has been planted in you and is able to save your souls. Alleluia, alleluia. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 7, verse 24 to 30. The dogs under the table eat the children's scraps. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Jesus went to the district of Tyre 
he entered a house and wanted no one to know about it. But he could not escape. Notice, soon a woman, uh, soon, uh, soon a woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. She came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to drive out the demon, the, drive out the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, "Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs." She replied and said to him, "Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's scraps." Then he said to her, for, for saying this, you may go. The demon is gone out of your daughter. When the woman went home, she found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. The gospel of the Lord praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at it one more time. Jesus went to the district of Tyre. He entered the, a house and wanted no one to know about it. But he could not escape notice. Soon a woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. She came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to drive uh, drive the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied and said to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's scraps. Then he said to her, for saying this, you may go. The demon has gone out of your daughter. When the woman went home, she found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. One more time. Jesus went to the district of Tyre. He entered a house and, want, and wanted no one to know about it. But he could not escape notice. Soon a woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. She came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to drive out the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is, for it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied and said to him, Lord, even the dogs under, uh, under the table eat the, the children's scraps. Then he said to her, for saying this, you may go. The demon had gone out. Sorry, the demon had gone out. Of, uh, the demon had gone out of. Uh, the demon had gone out of your daughter. When the woman went home, she found the children lying in bed, and the demon gone. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so let's um, try to understand what's going on here. All right. Oh, by the way, I know that the readings for the uh, first readings, technically, uh, the ones that I've been picking are not um, the readings that we're hearing in mass during the weekdays. Uh, just to let you know, I know that it's uh, only because I in the beginning, I kind of like favored it and I should have chosen the first reading such as I think we're supposed to be reading Genesis, but it's okay. I know lately I've been focused on Hebrews and I've been focused because I felt that it's, there was, um, there was a lot I wanted to say what was going on in the culture. And I know there's a lot happening and I wanted people, I want to try to communicate the faith to the people. So, um, in a way, I also wanted to, to try to encourage people to read the Bible. Um, 
Hebrews and what I've been reading also in uh, First Kings because I feel there's a lot of, um, I think like we have an, a neo-idolatry culture, uh, pol political, sexual, and I felt there was a lot I wanted to say to people that was um, in effect what I felt was to communicate and to sort of like, you know, communicate what's happening because there's so much um, confusion and there's so much, I felt, I often feel that a lot of priests when they, um, when they, you know, there's, there's no teaching of the faith. That's what I mean. There's just lack of teaching, lack of catechesis. Um, after uh, Lent, when we go to Easter and after through Easter, I'll go back to the regular time readings, the proper ones. But for now, anyway, let's focus on what what's going on here. All right, so Jesus goes into the district of Tyre, of Tyre, which is an area. Um, uh, I get, I believe it's near Galilee, in the region of Galilee, and he enters a house, and he didn't want anyone to know. That goes to show you how exhausting uh, his mission can be. You know, in a sense that healing people, preaching, debating with the Pharisees, debating with the scholars of the law. But anyway, it was impossible um, not to escape notice, <laughs> I guess, is his celebrity status. Soon a woman, and, and we have woman who has a daughter who had an unclean spirit, heard about him. She came and fell at his feet. She was a Greek, a, a Syrio-Phoenician by birth. Um... Obviously, there's a lot of uh, Greeks in that area, in that region, as a, as we said in, in Galilee. And there are people of Syro-Phoenician, uh, a lot of intermarriage within the Gentiles. Now, the woman's daughter um, is possessed. Uh, we just, Jesus has performed several exorcisms, even in Capernaum. Um, even in Capernaum. Remember, there was the man in the synagogue. And then he went to the Gerasene area district. Um, the man who was possessed with the legion, uh, the demons, the, de the demoniac. And remember, they begged him not to uh, vanquish them from the territory. That's a, a, cl a clue right there. Not from the territory because there was a lot of occult practice. Now... Here's a woman who is a Syrophoenician and who has a daughter who's possessed. Now, most likely, think about it, how terrible that was in her home. And think about the fact that most likely they have been, we don't, we don't know anything about her life, but there's a possibility. People who get possessed are usually people who have dabbled with... Um, of the occult dabbled with the occult um in the story of the exorcist uh the film uh the mother finds a ouija board ouija board may be a well relatively new toy what the people want to consider a toy but actually it has origins in uh it has its roots in the um 
um, spiritualism, and it goes back thousands of years in different forms. Not necessarily have to be what you see like a board, but it it is, you know, people who practice con uh, contacting the spirits. If you play with um, occults, you're opening a door to uh, in your uh, in yourself for possible demonic possession and that's dangerous Re reason why you shouldn't play with the occult so it's most likely could have been that the mom and daughter or maybe the daughter herself alone possibly uh dabbled with occultism and caused her to be possessed you could imagine the violence in the home the mom's terrified of going back home to her daughter so she hears the power that Jesus that that Jesus has that Jesus can can vanquish spirits, probably from people, and the apostles. She's begging Jesus, please. Um, you know to um, uh, to 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 heal her daughter, to save her daughter. The apostles want her to shut up, and then uh, she kneels before him, and Jesus. What he does here, I know for some people, it probably sounds like he's being mean, but he's not. Actually, he's expressing the prejudices of the people of Israel, the Jews against people like her. He's basically staging an example. He wants to show, he wants, he's giving the woman the opportunity to give, a, to give an answer, um, a reply that, could could prove to the apostles that she's capable of faith. It is not good. Um, it is you know. Um, let the children be fed first, meaning the children being Israel. Let the people of Israel be fed first with the word of God, for it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. That's how. This is how the uh, the people of Israel thought of of Gentiles, of non-Jews, that they were equal as dogs. I know it sounds mean, it sounds horrible, it sounds very racist, it sounds demeaning, but Jesus is that Jesus himself doesn't think that way. He's only expressing. He wants he wants to show how prejudiced how prejudiced his own people are, and she gave a beautiful response. Um. She, she replied, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's scraps. Then he said to her, for saying this, you may go. The demon is gone out of your daughter. Even without going into her home, without even, without even stepping a foot into her neighborhood, without even going to the front, her front door, the demon is gone. That's how powerful Jesus is. That's how, that's how the fact that he's God, he can command demons from the across the world, he doesn't have to. He didn't have to be there physically, but he saved her daughter. Now, connect this this story with what we see in in the Book of Kings. This is what I. This is why I wanted to focus on it. Solomon built the temple. He built the temple. He asked God for wisdom to govern his people. And God granted him wisdom and even more. But then what happened was Solomon began to play the politician. If you look at the story in the first book of Kings, what happened? He started marrying women 
It's almost very similar to the Prophet uh, of Islam, Muhammad, who had multiple wives for political, um, political for diplomacy's sake. But the women brought in their foreign gods, and he allowed them. He actually built sh shrines and altars to these foreign gods when his people, his own people, were supposed to vanquish all these pagan gods from the land. Now, Solomon's is a type of proto-Christ. He's like David, his father. His father is anointed. Solomon is anointed. They are messiahs. Not divine messiahs, but a messiah nonetheless, and also their son of gods. Not son of God with a capital S, but a son of God, because, you know, they have God on their side. They are anointed chosen, chosen one of God. Now, what happened here? Being, Jesus referred to himself as the bridegroom and the believers as the bride. Israel is also like the bride. God has always described himself as the husband, the father, the husband, the head of the household. So Solomon is the husband and father and head of household. But what did he do? He permitted something like a virus to enter his own country. He permitted his own people to get to catch a sickness, a spiritual disease, a spiritual virus. This spiritual virus invaded his own people and started spreading. Long before Jezebel, who married King Ahab, Solomon failed his people. Now, you think to yourself, well, Solomon is supposed to be chosen by God. He's in the Bible. He's supposed to be the son of David. Yeah, his father David committed the sin of adultery and then murder, but he repented. But Solomon, Solomon, in many cases, you can say he outdid his father, not with just multiple wives, but he he's, let's look at this way. Solomon is a very, very tolerant man. He's an open-minded man, like a politician today, right? He's accepting of, of all these foreign gods. I mean, let's face it. I mean, he's a man of dialogue, you could say, right? That he has dialogue with, with all these people. He permitted foreign gods to come in, right? He, he, he's not prejudiced. He's not judgmental he doesn't he doesn't try to uh impose his religion on on his wives he's accepting he's understanding he's tolerant he's open-minded as gk chesterton said don't be so open-minded that your brain falls out or your mind you know you lose your mind he, he was a very tolerant man and he allowed them he um he, uh, what do you call it? He, he built, um, <laughs> his heart was not entirely with God. He asked for wisdom, but he didn't pray for faith. He didn't pray for fidelity. He didn't pray for de true devotion to God. He didn't use his wisdom to, to learn about God, to, he didn't use his wisdom to, to get closer to God. As a matter of fact, his, his, he, he used his wisdom to move away from God. 
he, he, he became a celebrity. I mean, after all, the Queen of Sheba came across the, the world just to hear him speak. To hear, to, to hear him teach, you know, to uh, te teach and to, uh, he showed off his wisdom, showed off his philosophy, showed off how smart he was. But he wasn't devoted. He permitted, he permitted false gods to come in. And these false gods began to spread like a virus among the people of Israel. Right? After all, if the king permits these altars to be built, that it must be okay. Right? Who are you to say the king is wrong? But that began the downfall. God then took the kingdom apart. He, he says it here. The Lord said to Solomon, since this is, this is what you want, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I enjoined on you. I will deprive you of the kingdom and give it to your servant. I will not do this during your lifetime, however, for the sake of your father David. It is your own it is your it is your son whom I will deprive, nor will I take away the whole kingdom. I will leave your son one tribe for the sake of my servant David, and of Jerusalem which I have chosen. He did it himself. He destroyed. He destroyed. He destroyed Israel. Yes, I believe while he was still alive, he began to realize what does it say in the Bible? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Solomon himself wrote this in his Proverbs. He, he realized this late in life. He, I'm sure he, he repented, but the damage was done. The damage was done to his, to his kingdom, to, to God's kingdom, to God's household. He, he, he allowed this disease, the spiritual foreign gods to come in. He allowed them to build altars and most likely sinful things were practicing, shameful things were being practiced. I looked up today, Astrada, Astrad, uh, which is a, a Sidonian um, um, a go uh, god, uh, is a fertility god. Is a fertility, is a, she's a, it's a goddess. Again, it's a sexual, sexual goddess the goddess of fertility. And he allowed all these, he allowed Baal and, and Moloch and um, the, the gods of the Ammonites. And they built high, pla high place on the hilltops and Gamash, the idol Moab. And all these, all these, all these pretty much would lead to human sacrifice, child sacrifice. And we ourselves in our society, our bishops are very tolerant. Our Pope is very tolerant because I think it's a loss of faith. I mean, Solomon himself, he, vanity of vanities. What does it say that in the book um, Ecclesiastes? He wrote Ecclesiastes too. Vanity of vanities, all is vanities, you know, everything is vanities.
he he just lost his way somehow. To fear God means not to be afraid of God like a, like you're afraid of a father coming back home who's, who's going to belt you or beat you and let you stand there while he eats first. No, it's it's to guard your relationship, guard your relationship with God. You are protective of your relationship with God, not to let anything seduce you, not to let anything, to let your pride, your vanity, your, 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 your own, uh, ego, your own, um, um, uh, th things that, that automatically could pollute your relationship with God. God himself is a jealous God and he does not share his glory with idols because idols tend to take attributes like, or certain, like the God of thunder or the God of rain or the God of the earthquake or the God of the harvest or the God of, uh, of, of, um, summer or the God of frost and, and cold. These are God himself commands these things, but to take them and rob God of his own glory and give it to a foreign God is an insult to him. And the fact that we would bow down to these things that we create out of our own perverted imaginations is an insult to God because we are made in the image and likeness of God. Why would we go after these things? Why would we create something that is absolutely false? Solomon allowed these things to come to his kingdom and just like possibly someone who goes into the occult. When you go into the occult, you allow something to enter and then you also block your relationship with God. You allow something as an impediment and a, and a barrier between you and God and therefore you, you allow a spiritual sickness. Israel, Solomon allowed Israel to get, to, to get contaminated. He allowed Israel his own kingdom. He was supposed to protect his people from this. He was supposed to use his wisdom and he's supposed to use it to seek God. What does it say? Our duty is to first seek love, worship, and know God in, so that we may serve him in this life and the next. Instead, Solomon cost a lot of souls. He also, he endangered and possibly has maybe by his, by his recklessness allowed souls to be lost. And that's equal to murder. That's like genocide. He has committed spiritual genocide. I'm sure God gave him enough time to repent. Obviously, you know, there's always penance, but he proved one thing can't put your faith in an earthly king same way you can't put your faith in a politician all right S uh Saul King Saul before David also became, played the politician he compromised he he didn't he didn't he didn't do what he was supposed to do David David got you know he had weakness for for sex he fell in love with a woman Solomon was even far more weaker than his, than his father, David. And ironically, it's interesting. Solomon was not, Solomon grew up 
as a dandy boy. He didn't grow up like his father, David. He didn't have his father experience growing up with nothing. He, he, he was a shepherd. He came from Bethlehem, you know, farmer boy. Solomon didn't grow up like that. Solomon grew up very protective and sheltered. Um, so he didn't know the hardships of his father. Um, and, but he was still connected slightly. He knew his father's roots, but he, in his old age, he strayed away further. After this, Solomon's son is even more disconnected. And this is like something on uh, a famous Arab historian. He was not Christian, but his name was Ibn Arabi. And he said that the first generation has, has its connections and roots connected to them, you know, they knew the values, the values and the, the core principles of his tribe and his people. Solomon, some connection, maybe, but he grew up in the palace. He was a, you know, like I said, he was a farmer, uh, you know, he was a, a sheltered young man. And so he had no, you know, he didn't have, he didn't, he had no, no knowledge of his father's hardships, but Solomon's son who comes after him is even far worse he has no connection to the values of his of his grandfather david and so therefore he will he he will hate his people he will align himself with noblemen and the kingdom as we can see it starts to fall apart according to ibn arabi it's time for them to get replaced this happens in every system even in political systems politicians lose connection, political parties lose connection with people. They begin to be connected with elites, elitists. And a political system begins to be in danger. It happened in ancient Greece. It happened in ancient Rome. And it happens here in the United States. It happens in every system. The core principles are lost. Some politicians get connected to political, to, to corporations. Others begin to uh, connect it again with corporations and with universities and with philosophies and ideas that are not even connected to people. Artists and other things completely disconnected with the working class. And unfortunately, that's what happened. That's another thing we have to look at with, with Israel. Solomon himself probably also did not socialize with the common people. He didn't socialize. He had no connection with their values, with their everyday problems. And like an elitist, he interprets, he interpreted his faith from an elitist perspective, not from a core principle, a core value, which you know, which was a healthier, a more healthier way of looking at faith. Anyway, that's what happens. That's what happens. It's the same thing happens, I think, with these bishops. It's probably one of the reasons that led to the Reformation. It's probably one of the reasons that led to um, what's leading to the problems we have now. They associate not with the common, everyday practicing Christian, hardworking, nine-to-five Christian, but with only university peoples, with only elite, elite intellectuals. And that's not good. And that's not good. That, you know, because intellectuals tend to be immoral people sometimes. 
and they tend to be they tend to interpret their faith only from a political perspective it's you know, you know it's a sad thing and that's what happened jesus as we can see connected himself with practicing jewish people every day his his biggest enemies <laughs> happen to be the elite they happen to be the people who are not connected with the people they happen to be the, the people in power the ones who are constantly um fighting to stay in control and i like to, i like what dr steve truly said uh elite people when they see that their situation is in danger they tend to internalize the enemy you know it's like what's happening now white supremacist racist bigot homophobe uh if you're a patriot, if you're a, a you know a, a you know a, a person of patriotic beliefs, then you're then they internalize it, they they invert it and make it into a white supremacist, a fascist, a Nazi. That's how they 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 have to create an internal enemy, and that's what happened. When you'll see later on in Solomon, his sons, his grandsons, they do that with the people. They make the people their enemy. They say the people are are wrong. Anyway, that's that's that this this is it's it's a little politics. It might be a little confusing, but it's I think it's something to look into. All right, so let's um and well, you know, one thing I have to say about the, the Syrophoenician woman, she had the humility to come to Jesus. She had the humility. Solomon, um, like God told him, I will not take everything apart from you while you're alive. So he gave Solomon time to repent. To repent. But the damage was done. The woman, at least she admitted that she is a pagan and that she is a sinner. But she begged, she begged for her daughter. And that's something that's important. Solomon didn't realize how much he endangered his own children by his paganism. And the woman loved her daughter and her daughter, her faith saved her daughter. So always, you know, we have to remember, our faith is important, not just a lifeline for us, but for our children, for your children. You have to keep the faith for them. And you, it, it keeps them alive and they have to see the faith active in your life. If you do not practice the faith and you don't talk to your kids about your, about the faith, explain to them. Don't just expect that they're going to figure it out. They have to understand it. They have to learn, sit down and talk to them about it. So therefore they can straight, they can stay on the straight and narrow path. You owe it to them. It is it is your obligation to teach us. You know, it's always our, our obligation to teach everybody. Anyway, let's go to uh, the Our Father, Hail Mary, and the St. Michael Prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Michael, Archangel of God, defend, defend us um, in battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, folks. Remember to please subscribe and share. And um, I'll, be, we'll back, I'll be back soon with um, Friday's um, readings. Okay, God bless.